Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prep for all naturals, where beef meets freedom. I keep America, you keep America. We'll keep America great. I keep America, you keep America. We'll keep America great. I keep America, you keep America, we'll keep America great. Welcome to the Bob and Eric Save America Show. My name is Bob Dunlap. And my name is Eric Matheny, and thank you everyone for tuning in. And please, please, please subscribe. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, you know where to find us. And thank you to Ted and Lisa, our most generous patrons. Hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash Bob and Eric. And I am again wearing my shirt, a very, very special distinction for our good friend and repeat guest on this program, Cat Turd. You can check out his shirt, ilovecatturd.com. These are good shirts. These are not crappy, made in China. Some 10-year-old kid stitched it. This is made in America. This is real, 100% cotton. This is thick. You can wear it if you're working in the yard. You can wear it out at the grocery store. I do. I wear it to the gym. And did you see this morning uh, the lovely Christy Swanson had one on? No, I didn't. Christy Swanson, if you, if you follow her on Twitter, and she's one of my favorite people to follow, uh, she had it on and she's apparently going out to LA to wear it and, and going to just trigger the libs out there. Man, Christy Swanson, uh, she has not aged since the late 90s. She, is, she has not aged a day. She's a beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Everybody knows her from Buffy. Now, if you're a guy, you probably didn't watch that. I certainly didn't. I know her from one distinct piece of work. And if you were an alpha male meathead in the 90s, it's the program. Yes, I remember that. Did you ever see the program? Yeah. That is one of my all-time favorite movies, amazing football movie. I I played high school football, and we used to watch that before games to get pumped up, and she played the uh, main character, the the quarterback's girlfriend, and she was phenomenal in that role. So the program, if you got nothing to do this afternoon, that's a good one to go check out on Netflix. Um, But something that's not good and not entertaining is Biden's America. Oh, God, is it violent or what? God. I wanted to lead off with that. You know, America's become, and maybe you can make the argument it's been for some time, but it just seems more pronounced than ever that this is a real violent country. And I have a list of atrocities 
that have really been overlooked and we can discuss, although I think the reasons are understood why we haven't heard much about it. Just in the last two, three weeks, we had Atlanta, we had Boulder, we had Virginia Beach, which people are probably listening or watching going, what happened in Virginia Beach? Well, it trended for about six to eight hours until they realized it wasn't guys that looked like Bob and I who did the shooting. Uh, Orange, California, that trended maybe for an hour before they realized that it was a, a Hispanic shooter. Uh, again, not a guy who looks like me or Bob. Uh, D.C., yesterday, this right. time yesterday, there was a violent terror attack in Washington, D.C. Now, let's break that down for a second, Bob. Uh, he's a Louis Farrakhan acolyte. He <laughs> abides by the Nation of Islam. On Good Friday... He drives into the uh, National Guard barrier in, the, in front of the Capitol. He kills a Capitol police officer. Tragic. Kills him. Gets out of the car with a knife, charges the officers. They have no choice but to put him down. Now, of course, just the way we are culturally, this decaying, festering, open wound of culture that we are, the very first thing people are doing is like, oh, what's the race? What's the race? What's the race? People getting on Twitter. People getting on going, oh, oh, MAGA, MAGA. This is insurrection part two. Oh. He's a yeah. nation Islam guy. And we just started our program the same time, same way last week, talking about Boulder, talking about the atrocities. Uh, it's out of the news already. It's gone. It's out of the news. <laughs> it doesn't fit their narrative. So, you know, it's got to leave. Bye. I have a solution. Um, for every act of violence that doesn't comport with media standards as far as race is concerned, I'm going to hit up Nick Sandman. And I'm going to ask him to fly to the location where the atrocity occurred, just stand there and grin. And then people will follow it. Then the media will go crazy. Do you realize they spent more time perseverating over a teenage boy's smile than they have with Atlanta, Boulder, Virginia Beach, Orange, D.C., and every other atrocity, named and unnamed, combined? Well, at least he's a rich kid now, right? I'll tell you, I'd love to uh, swap bank accounts with him. He's doing very well. But, uh, you know, again, uh, and it's we're kind of beating a dead horse here, the, the narrative in this country is that it, unless it's a white person or unless there's a white supremacy or race angle to it, it's going to be overlooked. And, and race angle, I should probably articulate further, white supremacy specifically, because let's think about it, Bob. Nation of Islam follower on Good Friday. Oh, God. On Good Friday. Do you think he just randomly woke up and said, I'm going to do my terror attack today? You think that was pre-planned? That had to have been pre-planned with gas and everything. Where did he live? Do you know that? I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, apparently his Facebook profile was scrubbed right, right away. But So does Facebook, I don't, I don't have a Facebook account, but does Facebook, like if, if you are involved in some kind of mass violence incident and you're not a white MAGA hat guy, does Facebook step in and eliminate the account for you? Is that like a service they provide? Is that in their terms of service? Apparently it is because they scrubbed it within an hour, man. It didn't fit their media. So it's out of the news already, and uh, you know everybody likes to do on the left. Everyone likes to do the what aboutism. Uh, well, what about this? What about that? I mean, we can play that game all day long. The bottom line is that it was a terror attack. But here's something else I want to touch on, Bob. We're seeing a resurgence of Islamic terror. Yeah, we hadn't seen that in a long time. When remember in the waning days of the Obama administration, there was one ISIS atrocity after the other. Oh, it's horrible! Horrible. And then, of course, you know, in the, in the last months of Obama's presidency, we had the Pulse nightclub massacre, where the LGBT community was specifically targeted by a Muslim extremist. People like to overlook that, like to call it a hate crime, which absolutely it is. But what was the, what was the ideology that was the catalyst for that hate? Gay people. 
radical, radical Islam. Look, fundamentalism, radicalism of any kind is not okay. But in the last two weeks with Boulder, and everyone's forgetting the fact that the Boulder guy was a Syrian immigrant, uh, a Muslim guy, and then this guy yesterday, a Nation of Islam follower, that are we seeing in the United States a resurgence of Islamic terror with a new administration? You have to say yes from what's been going on. So yes. Let me... uh, let me tell you what's going on. Um, I had my, my good friend over the other night. He's a DEA agent. And we were sitting and we were, we were having dinner. And we were talking. And he's telling me, because he's in communication with uh, you know, informants and people at the border, that they, the drug and human traffickers down south of the border, are calling the pathway into the U.S. the Biden Tunnel. The Biden what? The Biden Tunnel. Oh, golly. <laughs> and he, he didn't cause it, though. It's Trump's fault, right? It's all Trump's fault. Well, I, you know, they're going to say that. And every time, you know, I get, you know, people like liberals come at me and they say, uh, you know, well, by God, Trump this, Trump that. And I go, what about the border? And their response, their automatic response is, well, Trump did it. No, Trump, Trump, the thing about the, the presidency, one of the most important things you can do in the office of president, I mean, our constitution limits the power of the president. And that's a good thing. I think we're seeing a president now who's completely overstepping that. But if you look at the constitution, if you look at our country as a nation of laws, the the power of the executive is very limited. Uh, and, And the president can do certain things, but there's a lot more the president cannot do. But one of the most important things, if not the most important thing the president does is messaging. The messaging to the world, the messaging to the country, setting the tone. And the tone that he set, President Trump, when he came in, is we are gonna be tough on illegal immigration. If you're legal, you come here all day long, we would love to have you. If you're going to cross this border illegally, we're going to send you back. The stay in Mexico policy, exactly. that was that was working. Look okay. at the numbers of March 2020 compared to March 2021. And you have these caravans with the you know, Biden let us in shirts. You have Jill Biden. Oh my God, did you see that video of her speaking that horrible ninth grade first semester of Spanish? I didn't, but I saw your tweet on it. She might as well have just read the Taco Bell menu. I swear to God, between her and Beto O'Rourke with the pandering. And look, is there anybody in my Hispanic viewers and listeners help me out? I mean, how insulting is that when someone comes out and utters like, you know, a a first year Spanish phrase? Are you supposed to sit there and go, my God, oh, we can relate. We can relate. I will do what you tell me. I will vote for you. How insulting is that? It's the same thing when they say in Georgia, like, well, the voter ID laws are racist. Why? Why is it racist for someone to have an ID? Are you telling the black community that they don't have the wherewithal to obtain a photo ID? Exactly. Or they can't get on a computer. Or they can't, or they can't do things on their own. That's, right. that's absolute insanity. And, and the same thing applies when, when you have these atrocities where it's not a white person committing it. It's a person of color, whatever ethnicity or nationality they are. And then the white liberals like to spin it, well, they were mentally white or it was fundamentally white right. and white supremacy and hundreds of years of imperialism and colonialism and slavery and yada, yada, yada. Are you telling the black community that they can't appreciate consequences that but for the white community, they wouldn't know right from wrong? I mean, how in, do, do, does the left realize the backwards racism of their rhetoric. No, I mean, Hollywood is one of the most racist organizations going, and that's all liberal, and they, Hollywood's horrible. They're, put, they're, you know, they're just pushing the envelope more and more uh, as far as say, Satanism goes. I was thinking about the uh, Little Nas X shoes, the Satan shoes, and look, I mean, look, he, he pushed the envelope, and the guy made money. I mean, he's getting sued by Nike now, good. Um, and if I were Nike, I'd sue the crap out of him, too, because he's basically using Nike, using a Nike product. What he did is he obtained Nike shoes, and then he had some artists put his own design on it, but it's still got the Nike brand on it, and he used the Nike brand to help sell the shoes. So it's complete 
you know, trademark infringement across the board. He's going to end up having to pay these guys a sum of money, but you know, the Satan shoes and things like that. And you have the you know, Miley Cyrus posing with them. Uh, you know, it's pushing the envelope, but we're just, we're just a culture without any standards anymore. And it's, you know, our good friend, Matt Couch always says that the, the only thing that does not outrage Americans is sin. It's true, man. It's good versus evil war. We're in, so. And coming into a very important weekend, if you're a Christian, this is this is it. This is bigger than Christmas. This is bigger than anything. This is it. We also, for the Jews celebrating Passover, uh, it's a very holy weekend, which again goes back to the reason of why did this guy choose to do his attack on that specific day. Uh, but think about it. I mean, think about it in terms of what, it, what if it had been a Klansman who did the same thing on MLK Day? I mean, the, the parallel's there. All right. Right. The left would have gone berserk. What would the, you know, exactly. The press uh, would have been doing that. Um, I want to touch on one thing briefly before we bring our guests on. We have two uh, really great guests today, two, two women. Uh, you know, this, is, this is kind of a male-dominated show, and that's okay. Uh, men can have their space too, but it's nice to have a female perspective to balance it out. So we have Rose Taylor and Rebecca Horvath. You may know them from the Patriot Housewives podcast. We're going to bring them on. I love bringing on fellow podcasters. Uh, a lot of opinions, a lot of voices, a lot of people talking over each other, but I like the energy. So we're going to bring them in in just a minute. But I want to talk uh, when they get here. I'm going to ask their opinion. I want to talk about the Derek Chauvin trial. And I'm going to offer, I'm going to put on my lawyer hat for a minute. And I'm going to opine on that. What are your thoughts on what's going on with the trial so far? I think no matter if he's guilty or innocent, uh, it's going to be riots and, and mayhem. I, I think his attorney sucks. And uh, I think the whole thing is a travesty. It's, it, I think the, going back to when it happened, I think it's just a, a tragedy that the left used it to blow up the country and I can go on and on and on about it. Um, my thoughts on it. Um, my thoughts have remained unchanged and I base my thoughts on the evidence and there is evidence and this is not, you know, I know it's racist to say it, you know, God, you know, forbid you speak against St. George Floyd. The guy was not a saint. Did he deserve to die in police custody? Absolutely not. But let's not canonize him. Uh, he was a multiple felon. He did have drugs in his system. That is not white supremacy. That is not racism. That's science. Well, come on, believe the science. You guys are always telling us that. Follow the science. Well, the toxicology proved that there was fentanyl, methamphetamine in his system. Now, I have a theory of the crime. Do you want to hear my theory of the crime? I do. And I can tell you um, something this week happened that corroborates my theory of the crime. I think that he went into, I thought he, I think he was high on drugs. No question. He went into the store to try to use a counterfeit bill and, you know, buy some cigarettes or whatever. Uh, we heard the testimony this week of the cashier and I know he's, he's got tremendous guilt and I, I feel for the guy. I mean, honestly, looking back retrospect, um, maybe the right thing to do would have just told the guy like some, you know, guy who's strung out comes in the store, like, Hey dude, I can't take this counterfeit bill. Get out of here. And, uh, I, I've, you know, I knew kids in high school that had like a counterfeit bill and they go to McDonald's. The guy looking at it, Oh yeah, 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 get out of here. I don't know if it necessitated calling the cops. Um, I am a defense attorney. I see a lot of lives destroyed when the cops are called, when they don't need to be called a uh, husband and wife have an argument. And, um, Someone said, well, I'm going to call the cops. Oh, did he Did he hit you? No, but he got up in my face and I thought he was going to. Okay, well, that's an assault, sir. Take you to jail. Department of Children and Families comes in. You're now got a mugshot on the internet. I, just, I see the bad side of things. I see the human side of things. I know everybody likes to be tough on crime. It's great to be tough on crime until it happens to you or someone you love. So I see it a little different way. So that's beside the point. My theory is that the cops were on their way 
he went and got in the car with the witness, you know, the witness this week who uh, invoked the Fifth Amendment and wouldn't testify. I think what happened is when those cops came and the, the, uh, Floyd was in the car with the other guy parked outside of the cup foods. I think they had drugs in the car. I think Floyd ingested them. I think they had fentanyl, they had meth, they had drugs in the car. He ingested all of them. And you can watch it. If you watch the body cam footage before they laid him down in the prone position, he's freaking out. He's going, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. He wasn't just saying that when he was laying in the prone position, he was saying that when he was sitting upright, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. One of the ways people die when they overdose on fentanyl is fentanyl asphyxiation. You can't breathe. You're, 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 your breathing is compressed. I've had clients, I've had clients, God rest their soul, who have died of fentanyl over, overdoses. And, and just the littlest about the amount, the size of your pinky finger. Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where the wellness company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The wellness company's medical emergency kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health/ffn. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with a wellness company. Again, Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health slash FFN. Less than that, your pinky nail could kill you, dead. So I think there were drugs in the car, which is, I think, why the other guy didn't want to testify. He didn't want to uh, inculpate himself in any way with drugs that may have been in the car. And Floyd ingested all of them and then was just having this he was having a panic attack at the same time. It was exacerbated by the drugs. And then when they laid him on the ground in the prone position and Derek Chauvin put his knee on his neck, that didn't cause the death per se, but it hastened death. It was a contributing factor to his death. I believe a guilty verdict of manslaughter is legally appropriate. Mm. That's a lesser. I'm going to let in our victims slash (laughs) co-hosts. Let them in right now and bring them in. I wonder if they know they're being brought in live. Sometimes people think we're bringing them in and we're we're not filming, but we are bringing them in. We are bringing them in live. Good day, ladies. Hello, hello. You are both live. We we bring our victims in to the deep end. We drag them in, kicking and screaming. We are live. How's everybody? <laughs> What's going on? We got Rose and Rebecca from Patriot Housewives. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having us on. We're not afraid of being live. Um, we're doing pretty good, or at least I'm doing pretty good today. How about you, Rebecca? I'm good too. Maybe a, a little bit scared of the live thing, but we're good. <laughs> well, let me, let me let me preface that live. We are not a live show. We we pre-record, but meaning like we don't stop the film. We bring you right in, unedited, right. unabashed. So we were just talking about, and I want to get uh, both of your perspectives. We were talking about the Derek Chauvin trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Rose. What are your thoughts on what's going on and how do you think the verdict is going to turn out? And most importantly, and I think what we're all anticipating is what do you think is going to happen when it does, irrespective of what that verdict is? 
Uh, to be honest with you, I have been so busy and caught up in other things that I'm not briefed enough to, to give a good opinion on that, but maybe Rebecca is. Rebecca, what say you? I think that no matter what happens, there's going to be riots and chaos and anarchy. And there's just, there's just no outcome that's not going to be ugly. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that's the overwhelming sentiment of the public is that regardless of what happens, there's going to be violence. There's going to be riots. He could be found guilty across the board as charged, maxed out. And they're not going to sentence him at the time of the verdict. They'll, they'll reset him for sentencing. Uh, but again, the judge is going to max him out regardless of what charges they come back on, if any. So he's found guilty across the board. You know, people are going to come out and say it reopened old wounds and they're going to go revisit what they did this time last year. I don't know if that's going to be the case. And that's despite the fact that I don't think he has a very good lawyer. And I'll touch on that in a minute. But as we were just talking about, the toxicology report is going to come out. Remember, the defense hasn't put their case on yet. This is the prosecution's case. And despite the numerous mistakes that defense attorney is making right now, and I'll go through that in a minute, the tox report is going to come into play. I believe, and I was just talking about this with Bob, and I stand by it. I've said it since day one. I think it's going to be a guilty lesser of manslaughter. I do not think Derek Chauvin caused the death alone. I think he was a contributing factor. Now, there are a lot of people on the right, and I know this has been politicized, just like everything in this country is politicized. A lot of people on the right are saying, oh, no, he's innocent. He did everything right. I don't agree with that. And I'm, this is the hill I'm going to die on. You don't put your knee on someone's neck when they're in a prone position, they're handcuffed, and you don't do it for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Rose, am I wrong? No, I completely agree with you on that. And I, I have kind of, now that I'm on uh, the same level where you are and understanding what we're talking about, um, I agree that he didn't do everything right. Um, I know that we want to immediately come to, to the defense of all cops, but sometimes cops do do things wrong. But I do agree with you that he's not the one who caused the, the death. He's just a contributing factor, like you said. Uh, he had a lot of drugs in his system at the time mm -hmm. of his death, and he was already saying that he could not breathe before that even happened. We were just talking about that before you both came on here, and, and my theory, I'll expand upon it, is that when he was in the car with the other gentleman who invoked the Fifth Amendment this week and wouldn't testify for the prosecution, I believe, and look, as a defense attorney, I've seen it a thousand times, he saw the cops coming behind him, he grabbed all the drugs in the car and he ingested them, because he may have had enough in the car to be, I don't know what the trafficking threshold in Minneapolis or Minnesota is, but he could have had that. I don't know what they had here in Florida. You know, fentanyl is, is probably the deadliest drug on the market. So just a little bit of fentanyl could be enough to put you in prison for 30 years. So he's a repeat felon. I don't know if he would have been designated habitual offender, however the state right. works. But I believe based on the evidence and based on what I can infer circumstantially is that there were drugs in the car and he ingested them and fentanyl, meth, everything in his system. Uh, you, you put him in a stressful situation with police. Right. And then add to which he's in a prone position with the knee on the neck. It's a contributing factor, manslaughter. But, Rebecca, manslaughter is not going to satisfy the mob. Oh, no. The, the mob won't be satisfied unless he's guilty and they string him up by his toenails. Um, but I do completely agree with you that he contributed to his death, but he didn't completely cause it. And no matter how many facts they show, he's still going to be victimized forever. I mean, it's, there's just, it's a lose-lose situation. Well, he's St. George of Minnesota, and you know it's that's the way it's going to go. But mm -hmm. um, and, and I was thinking about it too. I mean, think about like we talk about the court of public opinion, and and Bob, give me your thoughts on this. Like, remember, you know, George Zimmerman was was vilified, and Casey Anthony vilified both you know Florida cases, and they were both acquitted. Um, do you think that the jury could maybe let logic prevail? What do you think, Bob? 
I think <laughs> with our guests, we're screwed either way. Unless they hang him at, on a primetime TV and he's found guilty, I think we're screwed. But like she said, it's a lose-lose. It, it, it doesn't matter. The media's going to spin it. They're going to run with it, and we're, we're screwed. So awesome. Yeah, but the thing that people are failing to realize, and we lose sight of this, I think a number of things you know, contribute to this. One, just the lack of physics and the lack of um, you know, understanding of the way that these things work and what this does to your body, drugs do to your body, and then laying in a prone position. When, when you're already suffering from asphyxiation and then you put the knee on the neck and you compress and you're cutting off the oxygen supply to the brain, I mean, it all, it all makes scientific sense. But the court of law and the court of public opinion are two very different places. The problem is, and as a defense attorney, I have to explain this to people all the time because you go to a party, the first thing they ask you is, how can you defend guilty people? I say, everybody hates defense attorneys until you need one. I have represented everybody from you know homeless crack addicts, honest to God have, to Fortune 500 CEOs who you know have two glasses of wine at their brother's wedding and swerve around a pothole. The presumption of innocence, the idea that the state has the sole burden of proof to prove you guilty beyond and to the exclusion of every reasonable doubt is the only thing that keeps us free. It really is the only thing that keeps us free. Otherwise, you have a government that could come in and say, hey, you, I think you committed a crime. I'm putting the burden on you to prove yourself innocent. It is a wonderful thing. and something that we all enjoy. And whether you steal a Snickers bar or you commit mass murder, we all enjoy the same rights. And if we dilute those rights for any person, just because of the gravity of their offense or the emotional toll that it may have had on the public, then we all lose. If Osama bin Laden were taken alive when SEAL Team 6 went in there in Pakistan and he were brought back to the United States for trial, he would be entitled to the same constitutional rights and the same due process and right to counsel and right to a trial by jury as anybody. And if we can't honor and abide by that, we are dead as a people. So that's my soapbox. That's my closing argument. So I was a prosecutor once and, uh, you know, I understand what everyone's doing. Um, as far as the defense attorney goes, I think he's doing a terrible job. Uh, the trial is kind of going off however the state wants it. He's not objecting. The prosecutor's asking these witnesses, well, how did that make you feel? You're not allowed to do that. He's leading. And these are a number of technical points. I'm not going to harp on this too much. But again, I think if he's found guilty, I think there's a lot of room for appeal right here. Um, moving on, speaking of appeal, uh, the appeal of Matt Gates, our friend Matt Gates. I have met him. He's a nice guy, but he might be in some trouble. Rebecca, uh, you hear about this, Matt Gates? Yes, yes. Unfortunately. Hmm. Okay. Well, what do, is it? Is it honest to God? Like, is he? Did he do something wrong, or is this just a smear? I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of conflicting thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that someone has come out and accused, like a, a victim has accused him of this, right? This is just coming from somewhere else. Is that right? It's my understanding it originated in the New York Times. And what they're stating right. is that Matt Gates, who's a member of Congress here in Florida, is 38-year-old mm -hmm. uh, guy. I think he's engaged now, but he was single at the time. Apparently, there was a 17-year-old girl who was part of his staff, and he was having a sexual relationship with her. Now, I heard rumors this morning that she has given testimony to the grand jury, which... Oh, okay. And, and here's the thing. I abide by the presumption of innocence. I've met Matt Gates. I like the guy, uh, but I keep an open mind. Look, if, if the evidence says otherwise, then we'll make up our mind at, at that time. Um, the issue that he may have is if the facts are proven, at least proven to the point of being an indictable offense, it is a very serious felony 
to, to bring a minor across state lines for sexual purposes. I mean, that's where you're looking at going to prison for a very long time. And they're alleging that as part of his staff, if they went to a campaign thing or they went to an event in Georgia and he brought her and then they engaged in sexual activity in the state of Georgia, he has now committed um, a violation of the Mann Act where he's had sexual relations with someone and brought them across state lines for that purpose. Uh, but the problem is we see so much of this. We see so much of these smears. I don't know what to believe anymore or not. Uh, Rose, what say you? That's exactly what I was going to say, what you just said, is that, you know, we, we saw it numerous times against President Trump. We saw it against Brett Kavanaugh. You know, anytime that there is some someone on the right that they don't like, it seems like there's a new sexual allegation that comes out. So I don't know whether to believe it or not. I hope it's not true. I like him. Um, I really like him. He, he's been, you know, one of the, the people that I feel like has, has stood out in, you know, stayed, you know, true to what we all want to see. So I would be very disappointed if this ended up being proven true. Um, I've been sort of kind of, you know, watching the news as it came out and, you know, seeing what they're saying. And I do agree that if it does become that, you know, come out that it is true, then he's going to have a big problem on his hands. And that is not good. And I don't condone the behavior whatsoever if it is true. And I will be very disappointed. But I, I want to maintain the innocent until proven guilty um, you know, stance until we see more evidence than something that was published in a newspaper. Of course, but but Bob, uh, the allegation alone, I mean, even if nothing ever comes of it, the allegation is going to stain him for the rest of his life. I thought he's being blackmailed. He has it in writing. He has tape recordings of it. So that was a blackmail thing. That's what he's alleging. He He came out, he got ahead of it. So when the story broke that he allegedly was taking this girl across state lines for sexual purposes, he got out ahead of it. He was on Tucker. He's He's been everywhere. He's been very vocal. He said that he's being blackmailed, that somebody contacted him and is right. blackmailing him. Uh, again, look, I don't believe automatically what I read, even if it's somebody who I like and support. I, I mean, things have to be backed up by evidence. I don't care who you are. So who, who knows if that's true. I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but irrespective of that, look at who, who specifically is being targeted. Matt Gates, Ron DeSantis, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, they're not going after Mitt Romney. They're not going after people like that. They're going after, uh, they're, they're doing exactly what they said they would do. You know, they, they, they chopped the head off the snake with Donald Trump. Now they're going after the rest. You know, if you're not, you know, MAGA America first, they're going to leave you alone. You're just going to be a weak rhino and you'll tow the party line. They're going after those outliers. They're going after the outspoken ones and the people that they think are going to be a threat. Uh, Rebecca, what say you? I mean, what do you think? I think you're exactly right. And what happened to Andrew Cuomo? This has made him completely disappear. <laughs> um, and I completely agree with Rose. If, if this is true, it's horrible. I have a barely 18-year-old daughter and stories like this just cut to my heart as a mom. Um, I hope it's not true. If it is, it's awful. But let's let's stop making people guilty until proven innocent. I agree. You know, I wouldn't put it past the Dems just to accuse him of something or, or for it to be a setup. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has very famously talked about the wrap-up smear, which is, hey, you know, just, just leak some information. And look, even if nothing comes of it, his next, his next election or whatever he moves on to do, you can hear the campaign commercial from the other side. He was accused of sex trafficking. It will follow him for the rest of his life. And those allegations are, are so severe. Uh, Matt, if you're listening by chance uh, and you're not guilty of it and truth is a defense and you can back that up, you have a lawsuit on your hands. Uh, allegations of this nature are 
you know, you don't even have to prove that you were financially damaged. Sexual impropriety is about as bad as it gets. And yeah, Rebecca's spot on. Andrew Cuomo, what that I haven't heard about him in, in two weeks. If you're a Democrat, you can get away with anything. Let's just face it. He's got 10 accusers now. We thought it was bad when he had three. Someone came out after seven and said, okay, no more. He's got 10. There's probably 100. Well, well, then one of the things they were saying is, like, well, Matt Gates, you know, he was showing you know, his friends in Congress photos of women he had slept with. Okay, he's 38. He's single at the time. He's, you know, he's going out with adult women. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, attack him for, for that. Um, you say what you will about it. But, you know, don't draw the parallel to Andrew Cuomo, a consensual relationship. I don't care what Andrew Cuomo does in the privacy of his own home with a consenting adult. When you're in a position of power and you abuse that to belittle and demean women around you, I mean, isn't that, is that what the whole Me Too movement was about? I mean, Rose, I think, I think Me Too is, is done. I don't think it's, it's a credible movement anymore. Me Too only applies whenever it helps the, the side that started the movement. Um, whenever it, it, it benefits someone else, it's gone out the window. So it's another form of pandering, if you ask me. Um, and like she was saying with Cuomo, Cuomo, and now we don't hear about it anymore. And now this is the, the headline. If you notice, this happens all the time. Anytime there's a, a, a big news story or evidence comes out that is um, bad for the liberals, all of a sudden, no matter what it is, there's an, another story that comes out that the news runs with and completely forgets about it. It happened with Hunter Biden. It happened, you know, with anything that you can think of where we were, where news was finally starting to cover stuff that was bad for the left. And then we have another story. So I don't, I have a hard time finding credibility in things because it just feels like this big pattern of uh, cover up to try to change the, the, the headlines and make people forget because we're so easily distracted, you know, and a lot of people that don't do their research and just, you know, follow the headlines, they forget what happened two weeks ago. They don't even pay attention. They, they're like, you know, Andrew who, you know, and, and forget the fact that he killed 15,000 people. I mean, that, right. that was overlooked immediately. The minute they started bringing out these sexual harassment allegations and we kind of saw the writing on the wall, like, what if this is all a plant, you know, cause right. in, in, in today's era, sexual harassment is worse than murder. So we'll just, we'll just throw some sexual harassment at him or we'll sully his name for a little bit and then we'll back out of the media because his brother's a, a major figure in the media. I mean, Bob, you and I talk about this all the time. The thing that the right does wrong is we don't have a foothold in the culture. The Democrats are a multi-tentacle beast. They have academia. They have big tech. They have corporate America, which they're doing now with Georgia. We'll talk about that in a minute. And of course, the media. They completely control the narrative and they can turn it any which way they want. And if not a narrative per se, it's a narrative by omission because they pull it back and you don't hear about it anymore. And like we all agree on it, Bob, you and I talk about it all the time. The overwhelming majority of the public, be you right or be you left, low information. Not dumb, low information. You just don't digest news the way that maybe the four of us on this program do. And if you're getting your news from me, God help you. So with that being said, uh, Rebecca, what are your thoughts on these vaccine passports we're hearing about? Oh, goodness. Well, I don't like them is the short answer. <laughs> um, so I know you just mentioned Georgia a minute ago. So we're supposed to have a vaccine passport to travel or do anything, but we can't have a voter ID, an ID to vote. Anyway, um, I think it's a bad idea. Um, we've never had to have any type of vaccine to travel in, within the country some other countries require certain vaccines, but why now? 
you know, I don't need to prove that I've had any other vaccine to, to go to Florida or go to California or whatever. So why now? Why now? Exactly. Uh, I have my thoughts on that. Bob, what say you? It's all about control. My mom asked me last night, did you take the vaccine? And I said, I wouldn't take it if you gave me a million bucks. And why would I take it if it's a, at my age, a 99.9% recovery? I said, did you know that, mom? And she goes, no, I didn't know that. How do you not know that? That no one dies of this unless you're 80 or above, and there's two cures for the damn thing. Why would I take a vaccine for that? Rose, what about you? What do you, are you, I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I guess we're all talking about here. Are you, which, are you going to get the vaccine? There is no way in hell that I will take that vaccine. There is nothing that you can do. God himself could come down in front of me and say, I want you to take this vaccine, and I would say no. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. And I just, I hate the way that, and I hate even having to ask people that, but it's kind of the dialogue of the day, just how involved in people's businesses we are. Like, I don't come up to Bob and go, Bob, how was your colonoscopy? Tell me all about it. Like, it's what, what you put in your body, if there's, if there's one thing that you own on this earth, I don't own my house, the bank owns it. I don't own my car, the bank owns it. I merely possess those items. This body belongs solely to me and to no one else. And what I put in it, what I ingest, what I put on it, what I do is solely my body, my choice, whatever happened to that. And I think, and guys, give me a little bit of leeway here, but I, I think I'm on to something. I think I'm going to marry conservative values and liberal dogma. I'm going to bring them together right here with a movement I like to call transvax. I identify as a vaccinated person. I believe <laughs> in my heart. Oh, don't laugh. This isn't. I'm no, speaking, I love I'm, it. I'm speaking, I love it because I love it. I'm speaking you know, my ladies. I'm speaking my truth here. Can I have a stunning and brave moment, please? I'm being <laughs> sorry. sorry. Is, let me compose myself. This is really rough for me. I was born as a, a person who already has these antibodies. I have that immunity upon being born, and that is how I identify. And for you to laugh or for you to even question that means you're bigoted and you're narrow-minded. And, and I'm going to pronounce my truth to the world. I'm coming out as a proud transvax male, and this is a very stunning and brave moment, and that's it. And so when you ask me for my ID, how dare you challenge my identity? So transvax, am I on to something? I think yeah. I'm going to join this. Yeah, me too. I like this. Trans hey, me too. <laughs> okay, but but think of think about it. Okay, so a a male, a biological male who who has all the givings of a male can say I'm a woman and you have to okay it. That's why you want to play women's softball. Be my guest, stunning and brave, put on a dress, we applaud you. And that's a big step. This is something internal. This is something that I'm just saying that I have these antibodies in me. It's not anything you could see. You can't question it. How do you know? But I can identify that way. If we can identify, if we can take these immutable characteristics and just self-apply them and identify, why can't transvax be a thing? It can. It absolutely can. There should be no logical reason why it shouldn't. If we're taking the logic from all the other, you know, I identify as this, that, and the other, we identify as vaccinated. Yep. So, so think about it. If, if very liberal jurisdictions are taking the male and female designation off your driver's license because that's narrow-minded and bigoted to transgender people, why would you ever have me uh, carry a piece of paper like these formal documents declaring vaccination? How dare you do that? You, you can't question that. So I'm identifying as a vaccinated person, and uh, we'll see if that happens. But Rose, our home state, that's not yes. going to happen here because our good governor has said no way, no how no chance in hell is there going to be a vaccine passport in the great state of Florida. 
I know, and I absolutely love Ron DeSantis. He comes uh, comes out in front of all of this, inform- you know, everything that's happening. He's like he's a step ahead. He's he reminds me a lot of President Trump in that way, and he has he's he has uh, come out that he is going to ban that, which is fantastic. You know, I've got everything I need down here in Florida. If they, <laughs> I'll just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. I think Florida is the last bastion of true freedom in the United States. And I mean, I agree. granted, you have some other jurisdictions that are doing really well, but Florida is where it's at. I'm going to say something that may be a little unpopular. I want to see Ron DeSantis run for president in 2024. I want to see him. Not unpopular. I would. I yeah. would vote for him. Definitely. But I want to see him instead of Trump. I want to see Ron oh, DeSantis okay. on, mm-hmm. on the 2024 top of the ticket. Um, I don't necessarily want to see Trump on it. Um, I think that it's time to pass that torch. I love Donald Trump. I voted for him twice. I support him. I, I've, I've staked you know, family and friends you know, on it. I've lost relationships over my Same. support of the president. Mm-hmm. We all have. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know if a 78-year-old Donald Trump is going to be the right guy to carry us forward. I want to see him kind of assume the mantle of the right. uh, ideology of the party, be the spiritual leader, but not necessarily on the ground carrying it out at his age. I think, you know, Ron mm-hmm. DeSantis, I, I've met Ron DeSantis. He is young. He's dynamic. He is brilliant. He's beautifully educated. Mm-hmm. He's very well-spoken. I think he's a more polished, more refined, younger, more energetic version of Trump. I, I think he's, he's, I think I want to see him at the top of the ticket. I don't want to see Christy Noem number two anymore because I've lost respect for her after the NCAA yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Bob, what say you? I know, I know you still think Donald Trump's coming back like in the next month. You still want, you want, you want, to, you want to die on that hill? Or Yeah, I'm ahead? dying on that hill, yes. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we don't take that Hollywood and education back to, uh, and fix the 2020 election, the country's screwed. So it's so much bigger than 2024. So much bigger than Ron DeSantis. The country is going down, so. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, ladies, we were talking about this at the start of the show, just how violent Biden's America is. I mean, uh-huh. Rebecca, are you legitimately scared for this country? I mean, do you legitimately have fears for where we're going? I really do, because yeah. just think of how how much worse it's gotten in two months of the Biden, what, what, what we call it on our show is the Biden um, occupation. <laughs> 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 Follow us for more fun. Um, Yeah, it's just stunning how far we've dropped in two months. And it's scary to think about how much worse it will get. And it's easy to be a naysayer and and doomsday. And I try not to be that way. And I'm a positive thinker. But the evidence is just not looking very good right now. And I we just need something to turn us around. And we were we were moving in the right direction until until January 20th. We really were. And, And Rebecca, don't don't confuse being realistic with being negative or positive. I think too many people want to look at the bright side, but if there's no bright side, you have to look at it as it is. And right now, yeah, we're, we're in a rough spot culturally, economically, globally, because China is eating our lunch day in and day out. I mean, China, uh, I, I don't like what their government's doing, but I have to look back in awe of what they're doing, what they're able to do, these infrastructure projects that they can put together in two weeks with no red tape. And here we are. I mean, we, we couldn't build a damn border wall. And we look at what's going on. I want to touch on that in a minute. But uh, my God. And, and the thing is, we were talking about 2024. And I, I got to take a step back myself. We can't pin our hopes to these arbitrary institutions and dates. They cheated in 2020. What makes you think they're not going to do it? And now with, with what they're trying to do with HR1, uh, uh, the new legislation they're trying to put through, let me back up for a second. If this guy, Joe Biden, won by 81 million votes, why in the world is their top priority 
universal mail-in voting and bringing as many people here as they can to make them citizens. I thought they had the voter block locked down. Why, why are they mm-hmm. so concerned with building it even more? Mm-hmm. What say you, Rose? Well, that's the only way that they can ensure that uh, Donald Trump doesn't happen again. Um, not necessarily Donald Trump, the, the actual person, but anyone like him, like maybe Ron DeSantis. They have to get it locked down because they they did not anticipate him. They did not anticipate what was going to happen, that he was going to be so loved. So in order to prevent that from ever happening again, they've got to do whatever they can. They've got to ensure the, you know, the people that are here illegally can vote. They've got to ensure that the dead people can vote. They've got to ensure that all of the, these, these segments of people that they rely on uh, to get elected are able to vote without all the legal challenges that we tried to bring up, you know, so they're trying to make it legal for this to happen, that we can't challenge them. We can't say, hey, wait a minute, that person's dead. Why are they voting? Or, hey, wait a minute, that person is, is doesn't have a citizenship. Why are they voting? Um, because if they pass this bill, it doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't matter anymore. I've always said on the show, being an attorney, uh, being reactive is not as good as being proactive. So if we're trying to litigate things that yep. have already happened, We've already lost the case. We need to be proactive. So to pin your hopes ago, we'll get them back in 2022. Guys, this is 60 days in. Look how bad things are right now. Do you think we're going to make it that long? Do you think we're going to be able to pin our hopes to this guy's running for Congress and he's going to save the country? He's going to get his ass handed to him. Look, they are going to cheat. They figured it out. Universal mail-in voting is the ticket to a 200-year uh, Democrat leadership. It is. And, and then to, to add to which, they're going to bring in, you know, they're estimating there's going to be like a million migrants in this surge. Oh, and AOC, surge and insurgent are two separate words. They sound alike, but the <laughs> roots, they are completely unrelated. For more uh, linguistic tips, contact me. I'll, I'll be happy to teach you. Apparently, Boston University English Department, you know, you got to go back and look at your protocol one more time. But uh, I'll tell you, um, it's really, it's really terrifying to think that people, so many people are just pinning their hopes that, that we're going to win another election. We need to be fighting this now. Uh, we need to be shoring up election integrity now, which is what they're trying to do in Georgia. But the left, again, trying to put the pressure on MLB and uh, all, all sorts of industries and corporations, and, and they're buying into it. They're going, oh, yeah, we're going to move out of Georgia because, because the, the crux of this Georgia law is people have to have an ID to vote. Oh, that's racist. Exactly. It's so racist. How dare them? <laughs> if I was the governor of Georgia, I'd throw the Atlanta Braves out of out of Georgia. I'd tear down the stadium and say, screw you, Major League Baseball. That's how I'd do it. Here's the thing, though, and I, I credit uh, Aubrey Huff, who's a, who's a good friend of this network, and he's been on with a number of our colleagues, is he says, hey, look, conservative MLB players, I know you guys are out there. You guys got to speak on this because every blue check liberal and soy boy in tight jeans can applaud stunning and brave MLB moving the All-Star game out of Georgia, but none of them are going to watch baseball. They're not going to watch baseball because they don't know what baseball right. is because they don't <laughs> like competitive sports. Yep. Know your audience. Guys, know your audience. Country music, major league sports, conservative. NFL. NFL. Right. Did we not learn anything from the damn NFL? When you go woke, you go broke. Now, look, if you're The View or you're, like, dancing with the stars and you want to have, like, everyone wear, like, a BLM patch in their shirt, you're going to get applauded for it. But when you pull that crap in the wrong arena, you got to read the room. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Georgia law there, you know, there's some backlash on that, but they have the right idea. Yeah. There's, first of all, I have no problem with an absentee ballot, but you should request it. If you're just getting, if you go to your mailbox and you have 10 ballots for people who don't live at your house anymore, for, for animals, for children that you don't have, <laughs> right. and you could just fill them out without signature verification. That's how you cheat an election. 
That's how they did it, guys. I'm not going to touch on, and I'm not even going to say their name for the risk of being sued, but I don't think it was necessarily algorithms that did it. I think it was simply the mail-in balloting. And we saw the writing on the wall the minute Nancy Pelosi pulled out her huge omnibus bill when we're trying to get some COVID relief, and we we didn't act on it. We were reactive and not proactive. Um, Last but not least, ladies, i got to touch on the biggest human rights crisis we're dealing with right now that no one would know about unless people like us talked about, the border. The border, the border, and Joe Biden, in his infinite wisdom, or whoever the puppeteer above him is, they designated Kamala Harris as the new... I don't know what you want to call her, but she hasn't said anything about it or done anything about it in the 10 days that she's been in the job. So Kamala Harris is now in charge of the border. Rose, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, the the border crisis has been something that that they the left selectively cares about. They cared they cared about it when President Trump was was in office. You know how how could you treat these people so badly? These kids in cages. You know not to mention that the kids in cages were Obama era, but that didn't matter because it was Donald Trump that was in office at that time. They needed to vilify him. Before and after, they didn't really care, and that's what we're seeing right now. I think appointing Kamala to or Kamala or however you say her name uh, to be in charge of it was just for optics. They don't care. They want those people crossing the border. They need those people here to vote for them. Um, they they do not care what's going on down there because if they did care, they would care all the time, not just selectively when it benefits them. Bob, what say you? I don't think the Democrats care about anybody from the fetus to uh, the nursing home and everybody in between. They just uh-huh. use people and they abort people and kill old people. They don't care about anybody but power and control. So, Rebecca? Totally agree with you, Bob. And if there's one person who's perfect for overseeing, caring about power and control, it's Kamala. And I saw a funny tweet. Somebody said, oh, they're sending the, hy- the hyena to the coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> she has that horrible laugh. <laughs> I, I, I love it. And, and here's something I want to touch on, um, just segueing briefly is, you know, and making that parallel that she laughs like a hyena or whatever, or she's not a likable person. Um, you don't get to demand equality and then hide behind your gender or your racial identity when somebody attacks you and criticizes you when you put yourself out there. So if you say, I don't think Kamala Harris is likable, and the response from the left is, oh, you hate women. No, you want equality, you get into the public arena, you are criticized the same way as any male in your position would be. And I don't think she's above criticism. I think, in fact, it's our obligation and responsibility to criticize those in power. And yeah, it's all for show. She's not going to do anything. She's going to wear the title and go like, okay, the border, it's great. Meanwhile, they're at like 762% over capacity. Uh, It is a human rights nightmare. And one thing that I hope people are realizing, because for so long, people like us have been vilified as racist and and, xenophobic, and we don't want these people here. The bottom line is this. We understand the way the world works. And we understand that the way people are coming is not these you know, beautiful you know, arms across America caravans. These people are being trafficked here in the back of exactly. U-Hauls. Mm-hmm. 80%, 80% of the children are being sexually abused on the way up here. And then they get here and we put them in these effectively concentration camps. Now, Trump did a couple things right. One, he got uh, the Central American countries of Mexico to secure their border down the border with Guatemala. And that helped, that reduced our, our numbers tremendously. Like 27,000 Mexican troops who are guarding that border because that's where a lot of the people are coming up from Central America and the stay in Mexico policy. Where if you want to come declare asylum, that's all well and good, but you're going to wait in Mexico until we process your application. Because what happens is they come here, we give them a court date, 
and something like 90% of them don't show up. Now, here we are in this digital format. Why don't we do asylum hearings this way? If I want to seek asylum somewhere, why don't I have my interview via Zoom in my home country? Right. That way we're not bringing people here and just sending them out into the world, never to be seen again, never to appear in court, not being able to track them down, not knowing who's being brought here. So the bottom, what, it, about, what about their vaccine passports? Right. Well, Imagine they how much COVID they're bringing in. Exactly. Oh, well, they, yeah, they've already found a number of them, a sizable number that are COVID positive. And they're also mm -hmm. in San Diego County, California, they're getting in-person classroom teachers. They're, they're getting to be brought into classrooms. And meanwhile, in California, oh they're still on virtual. Again, everybody, please, from the top down, from start to finish, this is all a scam. This yes. is all a scam. It is about power. It is about maintaining that power. And I am not saying that COVID-19 is a scam. Too many people skew my words. COVID-19 is a very real respiratory illness that originated in a laboratory. It was a, it was a doctored version of the SARS virus that if left in nature would have taken 800 years to evolve. It evolved in a period of 10 years because it's a bioweapon that whether it was released negligently or on purpose, it came from a lab. It infected the world and the power grab and the politicization of it was the scam not yes. the virus itself mm -hmm. and the fact remains and we've seen it since day one i mean look the fact that you couldn't go to church but you could go to a blm riot back in may and june <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean i like i i i get frustrated my, my heart rate just skyrockets talking about it because i get so frustrated but like for people like rose and i we're just very thankful we are living in the great state the free state Absolutely. Florida. Mm -hmm. But folks, heed my warning. If you're coming here, understand why we're the way we are. Don't bring your California politics to Florida. Don't do that to us. Understand we're the way we are because of conservative leadership. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We don't want it. Not at all. So, okay, enough about us. Tell us, <laughs> start with you, Rose. What, who is it? And what do you guys do? Tell us about the Patriot Housewives podcast. So we decided, Rebecca and I decided to start the podcast Patriot Housewives because we have a lot to say. If you listen to us, you'll hear we like to talk. Um, <laughs> and we have been very involved specifically because we are our moms. Um, and one of my passionate reasons why I'm so passionate about politics and, and understanding what's happening in my government and trying to affect change any way that I can is for my kids uh, because I don't want to leave an America to them that I don't want to live in. I don't want to, you know, what, what we're doing now is going to affect generations to come. Um, and so that's why I got involved in politics and we just wanted to give a voice to um, things that, that affect children, things that affect families and be able to just stand up for what we believe in and do our little small part to try to affect change. If we can reach one person and maybe tell them something or give them a perspective that they hadn't thought about before, then we've done our job. Um, plus, it's kind of fun. Rebecca, I get along really well. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to have that back and forth and kind of discuss what's going on and give two, two perspectives from two different moms. So that's kind of where we started. And we, we cover uh, the new, you know, news topics. We cover ongoing stories. We talk about COVID a lot because I'm very passionate about it like you are, Eric. Um, and then we also, we have some fun segments and we, we definitely talk uh, a little bit about just some fun, you know, family related stuff as well. Uh, so that's who we are. We're the Patriot Housewives, your favorite housewives. <laughs> um, and you can find us on all the, the, the podcast platforms. We've got a Facebook page, a telegram, et cetera. Um, so yeah. 
I think there's something to be said about housewives. My wife was a housewife for seven years and she's beautifully educated and brilliant. She works now. She went back to work when my kids were about seven. Um, and it was a choice. Uh, you know, we said, you know, you, you do what we think is best. Uh, and staying home for the first seven years of my children's life was, was amazing. And, and what my kids got out of that, um, you know, you just can't get that in a daycare. And, and I understand that it's so much harder to do that now because you really need to have two incomes. I mean, the, the, yeah. the cost of living has, has gone up. Um, so if there's any way to make it possible, live below your means, you know, live in an area that's affordable, like the state of Florida, um, right. where, where a, a, a woman can stay home. And, and again, it, it should be a choice. And no one should say you have to work or have to stay home. I think, I think true feminism is about choice. And I think there's, there's really no higher duty. Um, you know, than motherhood and, and, and being a wife and being a homemaker. I think that the times in our country where we were really strong is because we had strong families. And, and that begins at home with a woman. I mean, honest to God, I mean, they are the, the head of the household, really, in that regard. They are the rock that, that holds it all together. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, we, we'd like to think so as well. And uh, yeah, Rebecca, why don't you give a, a little bit about Patriot Housewives as well, too? Yeah, well, you covered it really well, but um, yeah, we just we're passionate about about what we are because, in part, because we're moms, and we we're worried about the future that we're leaving our kids, and so we want to do everything we can to make that future better. Beautifully exactly. put, absolutely. And where can people listen to the show? You can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can just search Patriot Housewives. It comes up. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, a whole slew of other smaller podcasting platforms. We're also on Rumble, YouTube, um, on Facebook. You can search for Patriot Housewives, our group, and join that. And you can find both of us on our, our personal social media. I'm at Maga Rose Taylor, and that's M-A-G-A-R-O-S-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R across almost every platform that there is. Beautiful. Well, you know, to touch on what you guys said about, you know, preserving this country for our children. Um, you know, we're not the owners of this great land. We are merely tenants and we are merely stewarding it for the next generation. So remember that it's not about us. It's about those kids that we're raising. Uh, Rebecca and Rose, such an honor to have both of you. And we're going to have all your information streaming on the ticker. Guys, please check out Patriot Housewives. You listen to a couple meatheads like Bob and I all the time. Get the, get the female perspective. Get, get, just get a different viewpoint. Um, and again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, God bless the work you guys do. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. We enjoyed it. Y'all are great. Thank you so much. And we are back. Patriot Housewives, Rebecca and Rose. Uh, good to have a female perspective on the show. Yeah, they were great. Nice. So, Bob, Easter, man. Lead us out with something Easter related. Easter related. Okay. Well, according to Paul in the New Testament, Jesus, after he was uh, murdered and tortured all night, over 500 people saw him alive. You realize back then there was no cars or roads. Everybody knew Jesus Christ was crucified. Everybody within an eight-day walk knew it. So if 500 people saw him alive after his resurrection, at what point do, do you believe that it's real, that he was resurrected? I'll give you a great analogy. Uh, Bill Cosby, I didn't believe he was a scumbag until I think the 13th woman came out. So if Jesus Christ, 500 people saw him alive. So anyways, I, I, it's just horrific that he got tortured all night and got murdered, but I, he had to do it for, for us. Uh, he took all of the sins of the world on his back on the cross there. 
You know what? The, the, uh, there was a Bible verse yesterday that, that I, can, I cannot relate to. He's on the cross. He's, he's, he's dying. And he looks up and he goes, Father, please forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. And I, I just, I, that's not what I would have said on the cross. I would have been like, bring God, bring, kill them all. So he's way, way better than we'll ever be. We'll never be perfect like he was. He's going to be resurrected tomorrow. He beat death. He's the only one that's ever done it. Um, so it's really, really exciting uh, uh, time. Really exciting time. So happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. And just in the historical context, and you'd know about this so much better than I would, um, all the Gospels, the four main Gospels, uh, do they all have similar accounts of the death and resurrection? Or is there, is it like uniform? Or is there only one or two? No, there's, I think it's two Gospels really okay. talk about it. Okay. And are they consistent about the events that occurred? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I read something about that yesterday was uh, just consistency and other people that didn't believe in him talked about it. There was, a, besides the Gospels, a whole lot of people talked about the events uh, prior to him dying, the, his death and his resurrection. A whole bunch of people besides the Gospels, besides the Bible, mm-hmm. talked about it. So Think about it from a historical context about who, who Jesus was. Um, he stood up to the establishment. He stood up to the power. And because of that, they killed him. They killed him to silence him because he was telling them, like, no, I, I, I speak with a higher authority. And he, he took on the, the greatest power of the time, the Roman Empire. And he was a, about as, as revolutionary a human being as you could possibly find. Yeah, and he restarted time, so. Yeah, a, a fascinating story. Um, you know, despite your, your level of uh, piety, I think it's a good weekend for some reflection uh, I think religion and relationship with God is a deeply personal thing. And I think it's good, you know, with Passover and with Easter, just a very holy weekend to, to step away from media and news and all the bad of the world and just kind of focus on yourself and your life and family and think about things that you want to achieve and things that you want to make better. And, and like Bob said, Jesus was, was perfection. And we are by our creation imperfect beings and we will never be perfect. But I think what makes us great is the illusion of perfection. And we chase that illusion. And even though we never will be perfect, you know, we may get pretty darn close. Um, be a good person. Uh, someone had, had uh, I saw a tweet the other day, someone said, how do you know someone's conservative without them telling you what their beliefs are? And I read the replies and it was like, say, please, people who say please and thank you. People you put on your, your blinker and they let you in. Um, people who say no ma'am, no ma'am, you know, yes sir, things like that. You can tell. I mean, I always joke, Bob, that we need to have a secret handshake, but we don't. I mean, it's the guy It's the guy who keeps his lawn nice and trim. It's someone who carries himself with respect. Uh, it really is, when you boil it down, it really is a battle between good and evil in this country. And we can never let evil win. Uh, but you don't win with meekness. You got to be tough. You got to be tough and you got to push back and you can't be afraid. And I like people who speak out. And that's why people like Rebecca and Rose are always welcome on this platform. With that being said, have a very happy Easter. Enjoy the time with your family. And thank you for spending the afternoon with us. God bless you. I keep America, you keep America. We'll keep America great.